0: This is the Game Misconduct Podcast
1: with Don LaGreca.
0: Hey everybody, it's Don LaGreca with Game Misconduct, and it's the Monday edition of Game Misconduct, and Monday means EJ. How are you, sir? I'm good, Don. How are you
1: doing today?
0: Not only are you the great EJ Raddick, and I'm doing fine, but also television play-by-play voice of the NHL Network EJ Raddick. How about that? Is that too soon?
1: Uh, Maybe. i did enjoy uh i did enjoy it i did the as you know i did the sabers and bruins on saturday afternoon with kevin Weeks. and uh big shout out to our whole uh group at nhl network that uh that does the those games the nhl network showcase games because they really took care of me and, and helped me and um You know, and thanks to everybody there for giving me the opportunity. So it was fun. Uh, For the most part, the uh, feedback has been good. But, uh, you know, we'll see. We'll see if we get another opportunity down the road. I think that was our last of the regular season showcase games. Uh, So maybe there'll be an opportunity in the postseason. Who knows? But it was good to do one. As you know, I've wanted to kind of do it for a while now, and it was great to get a chance.
0: No, great job it was a pleasure to get a chance to watch it on Saturday I was I was getting ready to call my own game with the Rangers and the Islanders and um, the whole day did not go well for the Rangers with the Bruins winning and then the Rangers losing and I want to be able to get to a lot of tweets because we got a tremendous reaction from over the weekend. Okay. But I just wanted to get your thoughts before we do that on the Rangers in particular. I mean, I'm not going to judge them now when you're playing without Kreider, without Truba. Now, Howden's out of the lineup. And you know, listen, they're playing a bunch of kids. They had seven rookies in the lineup the other night, you know, so it's unfair to judge them. But I think the question, and we brought this up during the broadcast, DJ, what do the Rangers do in the offseason? Is it going to be, all right, listen, we've got our kids, we're set. Let's go out and get them? Or is there tweaking that's going to have to be done here? Do we just assume that the kids are good enough? Or do you use these kids to now maybe make deals to bring in players to take that huge step? So is it a slow burn or is it, all right, let right? it's time to start using these assets to bring in more seasoned veterans so that we can chase the cup next year? Oh, see, this is – you know, Don,
1: I've said many times going back many years because we've done a lot of shows together in the past. sitting up there and saying with the first overall pick, we choose X, Y, or Z. That's the easy part because those players at the top of the draft are usually very easily identifiable and they're great players and for the most part, they're going to end up having long and terrific careers. The hard part is as you acquire talented players and you start to put those pieces together, molding all of that into something that not only can be really good, but can be championship good. And it takes time. The Washington Capitals, for example, it took them a decade or more to figure it out with Alex Ovechkin and Nick Backstrom and that group. Uh, The Tampa Bay Lightning, it took a lot of different kicks at the can to figure it out with the group of players they have. So for Jeff Gordon and John Davidson and that whole group with the New York Rangers, they are going to have to now start to go through what they have, which is a lot. They have a lot of talented pieces. Their goaltending seems set, so that's good. Their defense, they have young guys that are still coming that haven't been there yet. The fist kid, the Schneider kid, where does uh, Jones fit in? They've got a lot of pieces there. What do they do with Jacob Truba in the long term? Do they, have, do they need to try to figure out a way to move Jacob Truba out because they have other pieces and they have salary cap challenges ahead of them? Um, in terms of the forward group, lots of talent there. What do they, how do they feel that Kravtsov has played so far? He can anybody else play the middle long-term? Um, what do you do with Mika Zibanejad, who's had this kind of crazy year that started out really a struggle, and then he got red hot, but a lot of those points were against the lesser lights in the division. His contract is up after next year. He'll be 29, 30 years of age. Can you go seven or eight years with Savannah Shad, as good a player as he is, are you worried about the timing of that deal? You're on the hook for $11 million for Panarin. You're on the hook for that Truba money. These are all things that they are going to have to figure out moving forward. So for me, when you say, like, do they start moving young assets and try to guys get guys for now, I would say no. I would say they just have to continue to follow that process and try to evaluate these young players as best they can and see the pieces that they need to keep and try right. to figure out the pieces that they can maybe move to get something to help them get to that level as they, are cha- mm. as they said in that letter a couple of years ago to be a real Stanley Cup contender and win a championship.
0: And that's why you kind of look at them being out of it now with a week to go as a chance. Well, guess what? Reuninen probably plays a few more games than expected. Jones plays a few more games than expected. this kid that I I really liked, Barron, who got a chance to play on Saturday. He's a sixth-round pick, but you know he's averaging a point a game in Hartford. Maybe he gets to play a few more games than people think. It's all about evaluating. So even though the Rangers are all but mathematically eliminated, there's a reason to pay attention, not just for the Rangers, all these teams that are out of it, because these games are so sacrosanct, right, EJ? Because you can evaluate all you want at Traverse City and training camp and an exhibition games, get them in regular season games is all part of the evaluation on who stays and who goes and where everybody's going to be in the future
1: absolutely correct and uh that is it's a process and that's the process the rangers and their team management team and their coaching staff has to go through they have to evaluate what they have as best they can and then look at the big picture for Jeff Gordon and that group and look at the big picture and try to figure out, try to see where these pieces are going to fit for them in the future and who they are as a team, how they want to play, what type of team they're going to be. And then what of the, which of these pieces fits that the best. Mm -hmm. And like I said, I think they're fortunate with the goaltenders, but at some point you're going to have to pay those guys too. I mean, like Shisterkin is on a, you know, entry level deal still. And, uh, you know, he, these guys are going to have to get paid as well. So that's that's part of this issue as well as the salary cap future for these group, for this group of players. And uh, it's a lot to work with, but that's the fun part of it. And you know, let's face it, the Rangers. You got this is a great problem to have because there's a lot of teams that wish they had the prospect pools the Rangers have right now. So uh, a lot of work to be done and a lot of evaluation, but. You know, Ranger fans, I think, have to stay on the right timeline. If you get ahead of yourself and think that you're going to win the Stanley Cup next year, I mean, obviously anything is possible, but I think it's more likely based on what we've seen in history with teams that are rebuilding that it's going to take a little longer than
0: that. Hey, right now, just, you know, prove yourself to be a playoff team because remember, this will be four straight years out of the playoffs, and and then you can establish yourself as a cup contender. But, you know, first things first, just get this team into the postseason. (laughs) For next year, a lot of tweets. uh, People really want to dive into your expertise here. So let's start with Brian. He says Will the NHL ever go back to a one through 16 playoff format? I don't get the brachology explanation. There will still be brackets no matter what. Because I bring up the bracket thing, EJ, for the current format. I think the NHL had that March Madness envy. I think they wanted to put the bracket challenge up on NHL.com and all that. And Brian's wrong. A 1-16 through 16 format, does the bracket only works in the first round. you know? So yeah. they, they wanted to put together where you can fill out your brackets. You can't do that under all the other formats. I'd like to go back to the one through eight one through 16 seems excessive to me from a travel standpoint i think the league since the pandemic is going to probably be looking for less travel rather than more travel would you want to see a rangers kings first round matchup while maybe the flyers are taking on the penguins in the first round that could be a bit of a disadvantage um but i i would like to get out of the current format
1: Well, I I think uh, a couple of things. I mean, they did the one through sixteen twice, in my recollection. Going back to the first year the Islanders won the Stanley Cup in 1980, their first round playoff matchup was against the LA Kings, and so uh, that was they did it that year, and they did it the the following year, and then they went back to a I think more of a divisional based playoff. They're looking at a couple of options apparently moving forward. And one of them is, that you know, more focused, again, like this year, similar The more focused on divisional play. Um, I think all of these things, Don, that they do, when the first year they do them, they're interesting, and then they kind of, you get these same matchups over and over. I remember in the 80s, you know, and you would remember this. I mean, you get the Islanders and Capitals every year for like four or five years in a row. And, you know, I I like seeing some different matchups. I like the ones who ate. I thought that worked the best. Uh, we're gonna have we we're gonna have even divisions now, right? We're gonna have four 18 divisions. So maybe they go into a divisional playoff and you go that way, of course, when you have two top teams in the same division, that creates another discussion about how somebody gets eliminated early. I don't know if there's a really a perfect way to do it, but uh, I do like kind of the one through eight I, I mm. kind of liked because the matchups could be different on a year to year basis when you as opposed to when you go through division, you get similar matchups for several years yeah. in a row. To me that gets a little
0: stale. No, there's no question. And maybe my biggest complaint about the current format, EJ, and I know it's cyclical and it can change, but we've had too many in recent years of those like the nashville winnipeg in the second round when they were clearly the best two teams in the west or having the pittsburgh washington second round matchup when they were clearly both the best teams in the east like you want to save those matchups for the conference final and not have it early in the playoffs
1: yeah i mean it's it's hard it's hard to figure out a way to do that because like you said it is cyclical the league is it's grown now. I mean, there's eight teams. In, there's going to be eight teams in each division next year. There's going to be times when two or three of, the, of a, two or three teams in a single division may be the very best team in the league. I mean, this year, Carolina and Tampa, and I'll even add Florida because they've been so good this year. I mean, those are three of the best teams in the league. They're in the Central Division, so only one of them is getting to the Final Four. Uh, you could create a scenario where all three would be in the Final Four if it were based on points and if they did the playoffs in a a different manner. So I think it's hard to accomplish that every year. I think the one through eight kind of gives you the best chance at that. But again, it just depends on the matchups. And sometimes really good teams don't perform to their complete expectations in the regular season and and therefore don't have the point total. You know that would elevate them into a situation where they could avoid a bad matchup in the first or second round. So I think it's really difficult to do. I, I I'll be curious to see what the league does coming out of this with the schedule. And you're right with the pandemic, which has created you know a different uh, a dynamic here that you know we didn't have to think about you know two three four years ago. So I'll be curious to see which way they go.
0: All right, uh, Tony says, "Can you see the NHL requiring all players to get the vaccination before next season, so the Canadian and American teams can play each other again?"
1: Um, require is a very interesting word. Yes, because then you can get into you could get into a civil uh, you know someone's civil rights as to whether they uh, you know whether you can force someone to get a, a vaccination or not. I mean, that's a big discussion. I think we've had we're having in this country and probably around the world that is a discussion that had been going on already and now it's with what's happened it's probably gone to another level but uh, I think that the leagues would like the players to be vaccinated to give themselves the best opportunity to stay clear of of this virus and to try to be as healthy as they can be and uh, to allow for an easier uh, working of the competition with the games being played at the arenas and and that you know down that that path. So I think they would like that, but when you say require, that's a different challenge, and I think that's where you might need to get the lawyers involved and see if, if they can indeed force someone to do it.
0: Well, I will say this: I, I, I when you look at baseball, right? They they have a For Tier 1 players, or Tier 1, which are people on the field, umpires, coaches, players, they're looking for 85% vaccination so that you can proceed without masks. So I don't know if 100%, and I'm no scientist, but just based on that, if you can get to like 85%, 90%, that maybe you can kind of move forward rather than it be 100%. So if there are outliers that do not want to get the vaccine, if it's one or two on a team, that maybe you could still proceed forward, um, but yeah, we'll we'll see how that all works itself out. But certainly the NHL yeah. will be on top of that. But um,
1: I think it's a I think it's a legal question, Don. At the end of the day, you know, let's face it, there might be somebody out there in on one of these teams that wants to challenge it legally, and we'll have to wait and see yeah. if that does happen. But you know, I think that the leagues probably would prefer if the if the players and everybody involved would get vaccinated.
0: Uh, Ron says, do you think the Islanders are somewhat regretting the Palmieri-Zajac trade? The two of them have four points total in 21 combined games, and the Islanders might only get the four seed in the East.
1: I don't think you can regret trades like that. I think you have to do what you think is best in the moment. Um, I thought that, you know, for me, I thought Nick Molina was a better fit than either Palmieri or Zajac. Um, but at the end of the day, I think Don, you really, I think what we really have to do is see how things unfold in the playoffs. And I don't really think it matters if it's your first or fourth and e. It's really going to matter how you're playing and how you're, you know, what kind of matchup that is for your team. Uh, you know, the the Islanders, for example, they struggled with the Penguins, Penguins this year, but they're also the team that swept the Penguins two years ago in a playoff series, and there's a lot of the similar players on those teams. So,
0: you
1: know, I don't know if you, you know, I don't think Lou Lamarillo sits back and has a lot of regret in his life. I think he makes moves, determines what he thinks is best for his team and what they can do. There are certain things you can do, certain things you can't do, based on a number of different factors. As I said, I thought Molina would have been a better fit, but in the end they couldn't make that work. They bring in Palmieri and Zajac. Lamarillo certainly knows Zajac very well, having drafted him many years ago. And, uh, you know, they're comfortable with that. And we'll see. In the playoffs, Palmieri may score five goals in a first round series, and the Honors, that might be the way well, the Honors advance to the next round. So.
0: Well, they make no mistake. that Those deals
1: there. That's what they want.
0: Well, yeah, that was not to solidify playoff position. They knew they were a playoff team. They were hoping to you know, have those guys contribute. Now, Zay Jack was a scratch on Saturday. Paul you know, only played half the game. He took a, a high stick to the face. I mean, I, but you're right. Paul both those guys have experience in the postseason. Zay Jack played in the final, although that was, you know, almost a decade ago. But I think that was to solidify the postseason. What people are talking about, EJ, yeah. though, is would Hall have been a better selection considering how well he's played in well, Boston? But I'm thinking that's more of a Boston thing than a Taylor Hall thing. Do you agree?
1: Yeah. I, I just think um, the fit for Taylor Hall in Boston was perfect. And to be with David Krejci, who is one of the more underappreciated centers in this game over the last decade, um, and to have Craig Smith there as well, You know, for me, I just think it was a great fit. The Boston Bruins already have their top line there that get their, you know, they do their thing, and now they have a second line that can come at you and do the game on Saturday. You know, that third line they had, I mean, you talk about three big guys with Coyle, with Richie, and Corrale. I mean, they can pin you in and make life hard for you, and the Bruins have good fourth-line players. You know, uh, Curtis Lazar was actually a nice pickup in that Taylor Hall deal. He's been a good fit as kind of a fourth line center that can win face offs and you know he's been around the league a little while now and has been a pretty helpful guy. So for me the Taylor Hall situation, he's just a perfect fit in Boston. Yeah. If he would have come to the Islanders, you know, he could have been a helpful player for the Islanders. He's a good player. But there wasn't that hand in glove fit that he is that he is benefiting from with the Boston Bruins. It is just like I said, it is just a perfect, perfect fit. And it's playing out that way so far. But we'll see when we get again into the postseason. Because, you know, Hall in that second line has been lighting it up. But six of the 11 games they've played, I believe, have been against the Buffalo Sabres. And watching the Sabres the other day, although they've played better, that is a very young team that's on the ice right now. And,
0: boy, the Boston Bruins chewed them up on Saturday. Yeah, they did. That's still quite – you're playing – it's right. Things are – usually I don't like getting caught up in who's on your schedule because you see some of these teams. Buffalo has had spirited moments. Ottawa has been really tough to play uh, down the stretch of the season. All of a sudden, New Jersey's won three in a row. But, listen, when you're playing the same team over and over and over again – you know, Boston's going to have their way with a Saber team playing them three, four times in a row. It's just one isolated game in a regular season. Normally, you might you know not be one hundred percent into it and get beaten, but with all these games being meaningful and that many games in a row, they're going to get the better of a team like that. Yeah. You know, there's no I question. I
1: completely, completely agree, and they're just like I said. Buffalo is very young. On the back end, a couple of those goals the other day, you have Will Borgen and Jacob Bryson out there. I mean, they got very little NHL experience. They're trying to find their way in this league, and they're up against the Bergeron line or the Krejci line. I mean, they spent a lot of time, you know, pinned to the back wall and they were on their own zone. If it wasn't for the really strong play of uh, Ukopeka uh in the net for the first two periods until he got injured, I mean, that game could have been much worse than the 6-2 final. Mm.
0: And finally, Troy says, with divisional playoff matchups, including potential second-round matchups, uh, which ones have the best in developing a heated rivalry?
1: Well, Tampa and Florida.
0: Yeah, that's what I, I was mean. thinking.
1: <laughs> yeah. Tampa Bay Lightning and the Florida Panthers. I mean, let me tell you, that is not going to be an easy, uh, an easy circumstance for the defending champs. The Florida Panthers... They like playing the Tampa Bay Lightning. They like, you know, as Mike Singletary once said years ago, "I like that kind of party." <laughs> they like that kind of party in Florida. They they would love nothing more than to get into a, a long, hard series with the Lightning and to beat them. I mean, that would be that would be an earth changing thing. I mean, I go all the way back because I'm 100 years old now. I go all the way back to like the the three year old Islanders. Taken out the Rangers in a best of three series in 1975 when JP Barisi scored the overtime winner 11 seconds into the overtime. The, you know, that was, you know, for the Islanders, it was just, I mean, they were three years old. Nobody, that was their first playoff series. Right. And they knocked off a Rangers team that had recently been to the cup final in that era. So for, uh, you know, for the Florida Panthers, that would be, crazy to go and knock off the defending Stanley Cup champion Tampa Bay Lightning. It won't be easy, but Florida Panthers have had a good team this year. And like I said, they like playing Tampa. They they're very comfortable. They've had a lot more success in the games against Tampa than they had in the games against Carolina. And I think Carolina's gonna win that division. And it really could set up great for Carolina because Carolina has played very well against Nashville this year, who is right now the likely first round opponent. So, Carolina could face a team that they've played well against, Mm -hmm. and then if they were to advance, face a team that will have gone through a war in the first round, could set up very well for the Kings.
0: And um, elsewhere, you look out west, I think Vegas, Colorado would be a heck of a series, a lot of fun. Uh, They're battling for first place right now. We don't know exactly when they would play, but that would be tremendous. And and an Edmonton-Toronto series, just from having a Matthews versus McDavid series, I think would be tremendous. And I think that could really heat things up.
1: Yeah, and that's one of those playoff series that you wouldn't normally get, right, Right. any other year. Because that's a Stanley Cup final matchup because of the location of the teams and the conferences, right? So this year is the unusual year when that could play out. And uh, let's hope it does, because it's a great story to have, uh, you know, Connor McDavid, who's – I mean, he's off the charts this year. I mean, he's got a chance to get 100 points in 56 games this year, which is crazy to think about when – I think he has 87 points – no, 89 points now. I think he needs 11. A couple years ago, Jamie Benn won the scoring title in an 82-game season with, I think, 87. Right. So it's crazy to think that he could have 100 points in 56 games, but that would be a, a fun series from a storyline point of view. Just like you know, we haven't had a Toronto Montreal playoff series in many, many years. Seventy
0: nine,
1: fun to watch as well. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, 40. there you go. Mike Palmatier.
0: Yeah, it's a long, long time ago for sure. EJ, I know you're up against a great job on Saturday, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. There, there, we'll still have regular season games then because a lot of the teams are going to be making up the ground they lost during the pandemic. But uh, we'll be that much closer to knowing uh, where we stand as we get into the postseason.
1: Yep. Looking forward to it.
0: All right, buddy. We'll talk to you later.
1: You got it, Donnie.
0: All right, that is the great EJ Raddick. Did a great job on Saturday calling Sabres, Bruins for the NHL Network with uh, Kevin Weeks, who also did a great job. And we'll talk to EJ coming up next week. Uh, Just a little observation before we get to the schedule tonight. I thought what happened in Anaheim the other night with uh that game that was ryan miller's last uh game in anaheim i thought was tremendous with the Kings shaking hands with the the ducks and with miller after the game and the team picture and all that ducks have four games left but they're all going to be on the road so if miller does play another game before his retirement it'll be away from anaheim so i thought that was handled very well by the nhl by the ducks by the kings and congratulations on career victory number 391 for Ryan Miller, and we'll see how many more starts he gets before he calls it a career. Slew of games tonight on a Monday. Rangers-Capitals. Looks like Ovechkin will be in the lineup. He did practice yesterday, missed three games because of a lower body injury. Capitals obviously battling for first place. Rangers' tragic number is one point, so any loss of a point or a point earned by Boston will eliminate the Rangers from playoff contention. Rangers have four games left. Boston's got six, including a game tonight in New Jersey against the Devils. The Islanders struggle to score goals, but not against the Rangers. Back-to-back games, a team that was not able to get anything going. 11 goals in the previous seven games Uh, turned out to score seven in two games against the Rangers. They'll be in Buffalo to take on the Sabres. Leafs and Canadians Montreal starting to warm up a little bit and Toronto looking to solidify first place. Dallas and Florida that's a big game. Dallas is two points back in Nashville after the overtime loss to the Preds on Saturday and the Stars still two points back in Nashville with a game in hand. Pittsburgh and Philadelphia things are a mess right now in Philadelphia. Lost back-to-back Games against New Jersey, Pittsburgh battling for first place, uh, Blackhawks on life support. They'll be in Carolina. Hurricanes trying to win that division. Predators in a must-win situation against Columbus. I say must win because they're taking on the Columbus Blue Jackets, and they played one more game than Dallas. Uh, the Winnipeg Jets looking to get back on track. Winnipeg, one of the better teams in the National Hockey League, but now recently have lost six consecutive games, and they'll take on an Ottawa Senator team that can be a pain in the butt. It'll be the Ducks and the Blues from St. Louis. Looks like the Blues are going to make the playoffs because of all the games in hand they have. Uh, in the Western Division, the Wild and the Golden Knights, Golden Knight right in a battle with Colorado for first place Uh, Coyotes in a must win situation against the Kings, Oilers and Canucks the Canucks in free fall as they have come out of COVID with back to back wins but then since have lost four in a row so it looks like it's over for the Canucks and again everybody taking a look at what Connor McDavid can do Connor McDavid right now has got 87 points in 49 games so he's 13 shy of 100 points in a 56 game schedule which would be amazing so can he get 13 points in seven games well if you paid attention to Connor mcdavid he's good for three points a night it seems you figure he's going to do that avalanche and the sharks will round out the scoreboard tonight all right we'll be back with you again on wednesday uh kind of go over everything that's happening you want to get in touch with me the best way to do that is at don Lagreca hashtag game misconduct we'll talk to you again on wednesday this was the monday edition of game misconduct
1: this is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca.